Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go! All right, everyone, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. I could tell Keith was enjoying that intro video there a little bit. We are joined by Des Moines broadcasting legend, Keith Murphy. How's it going, sir? Uh, it, I'm hyped up after that. That that kid, Kid Kittle, we call him. We've had him on our radio show, the Murph and Andy show, and he's he's a blast. He's fun. I love those videos he and his dad do. Yeah, they're awesome. He's got an yeah. awesome support system. and. His uh, ended up just like through doing all this stuff. You find out how small the world it is. I grew up like in the same neighborhood as his dad went to the same elementary school. We figured out in the same middle school. And uh, he's just an awesome guy, awesome family. And he's a great kid. So we we love that he did that for us. But um, yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. How's things been going for you out there? What What's new in the world of Keith Murphy? Things have been going well. Um, I am excited that we're coming out of this this pandemic or it's all trending in the right direction it seems uh-huh. like we're we're going to have fans back at games and uh we we mostly made it through i know it was really hard on some people but uh we had sports and um a, a lot of things we appreciate more than ever and um i don't know it's just been a year unlike any other and I'm just appreciative to be here and have this opportunity. You know, for a kid growing up in Des Moines and, you know, I haven't been lived in Des Moines for quite some time, but everybody growing up in Des Moines that lives in Des Moines, you are the face and the voice for most of their sports. And that's got to be a pretty cool feeling going all the way back. I mentioned to you briefly before we came on, but um, wanted to bring this up during the interview too. my very first radio job when I was 18 years old. This was 20 years ago, reached out to you and we wanted to have you on to talk to you about your career and, you know, covering different sports. And I can't believe like how cool you were, you know, to come on a couple 18 year old guys radio show that we were just cutting our teeth and it was an absolute disaster. And you were so gracious, even cut a promo for us that we used all the time. So uh, just got to thank you for that. And I know there's no chance in, in hell that you remember that. I, I the thing that I do remember is that there's no disaster you've had in media that I didn't have myself. I mean, I I uh, uh, I have always tried to um, be there for anybody who who asks, and because I, I I know what it's like when you're trying to get started, and 
I, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing when I first started. I'm sure that you were ahead of where I was at your age when you were 18. Uh. So that's, uh, uh, that, that was nothing to do that. I'm glad that you remember it. And I, I appreciate all the, I really appreciate all the kind things you said. Some of it is, is to be honest, is just being in one place a long time. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a number of people working in the market now that are really talented at other television stations and other radio stations. And some of this just means I'm getting old, you know, <laughs> like uh, when, when guys like you were telling stories about me being on when you were back in high school and, <laughs> and you're not 25, uh, you might be 35. How, how old are you? Yeah, I, I'm in my late thirties. Okay. Okay. So yeah. see uh, that that's quite a while ago and I'm still in the same spot. I'm still doing the same thing. So um, some of that is, is, you know, there are people now in their twenties that say, Oh, I've I've been watching you my whole life. I'll say, but you're drinking a beer. Yeah. My whole, your, your whole life. You're, you're, how old are you? I'm, I'm 30. What? what? Yeah. I started watching when I was three or something like that. So uh, it, it, it is some of it just being in the same place a long time, which, I've been very fortunate to to do that, to to be wanted uh, in this place and to maybe be smart enough to know that I should stay here. You know, it's not always better to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that, you know, obviously the city of Des Moines is more than taking you in as their own. I mean, you are, you're their guy. So I don't know that they're going to let you go anywhere. If you started <laughs> a job somewhere else, people, they might yank you out you know, kicking and screaming and bring you back to Des Moines. I think that that's a, that's a marriage. I don't know that could ever end. My goal is, is to get out before people want me out. Uh, and I don't know when that will be, but I feel like I, I know when it will be. Um, there, there is, there's no time that I think I have this figured out. Like I don't ever, I don't ever watch a, a sound off or a newscast or listen to a radio show and go, you know what? I can't get any better. I've got this figured out. I mean, I am, I'm always trying to get better. I'm always learning things. I am always paying attention to others and seeing where I can pick up something that, that helps me improve. Uh, I mean, I may learn something from you here tonight and I mean that I'm being sincere. I, I keep an open mind. You don't know where, you're going to learn something or get a tip or uh, a new way of doing things. I mean, sometimes it's uh, it could be high school kids or all this access we have to social media. I mean, some of the, some of the video ideas that some of these high school kids have, or these YouTube stars, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's mind blowing. And sometimes you have to wade through a lot of crap, but if you wade through it, you can, you can see some good stuff. And I think, um, I, I think that's the the key to to anything, whether it's being a, a coach or an athlete or selling insurance or hosting a podcast or having a radio show or whatever it is, is feel like as long as you're in the game, you're trying to get better or or you're coasting. And I don't want to coast. We like to think of ourselves as providing examples best of what not to do. And that sometimes <laughs> can be just as just as valuable as, yeah. as providing of what to do. Uh, Maybe more valuable. I mean, I, I think yeah. some of the I think some of the best lessons I've learned in my life are from my failures. I mean, because those tend to leave more of a mark yeah. and when, when you succeed at something. Um, boy, you, you, you tend to move on pretty quickly. But when you really have a failure, 
boy, yeah. it it really resonates. And I, I can remember having this discussion with Fred Hoiberg, he, him telling me that, you know, he'll have a he'll have a hundred people tell him how wonderful he is. And it goes in one ear and out the other. And then one person just criticizes him or says something nasty and he has trouble shaking it or, mm. you know, starts to wonder if they're onto something or why do they think that? What can I do differently? And I, I think to some degree, we, we all have some of that. There's probably a little bit of insecurity in that too, but it's just, it's that, you know, desire to, to, to learn and, and get better and not think you have it figured out because as soon as you think that you will get humbled. Oh yeah. That's why, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. we, we spent about a year getting ready to start doing this before we even did one interview. Cause I'm like, if we're going to have people come on and take time out of their schedule, I, we need to be as prepared as possible and do as many test runs as we can. And it still wasn't smooth and still isn't. So it's a, uh, you're a hundred percent right on that. Um, really wanted to cover with you. We follow you pretty darn close on social media and it's interesting to see how your social media in your position has almost evolved to part of your job that you're, you're reporting and talking about things on social media, pretty breaking as they happen and consistently. Uh, I get the biggest kick out of Iowa State fans and Iowa fans both thinking you're a homer for the other <laughs> side and yeah. you get hell from both of those fan bases. Uh so, you know, tell us what it's like going through that and trying to stay down the middle and don't worry, nobody's listening. You can tell us, are you a Hawkeye or a Cyclone? And I won't tell anyone. Please don't, don't tell anyone. I understand it's just between us. Oh, it, it, that is a never ending thing. And most of the time I'm amused by it once in a while. I'll, I'll find it frustrating when somebody is really angry or they'll, they'll dial up some of the words they, they assign to me, or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're insulting me in a, really personal way. And I try even then to realize, well, they're, and this, this is easier to do as I, as I get older and hopefully a little bit wiser, but to realize, well, they're, they're just being a fan. Anytime I say anything that they already believe, which is something positive about the Hawkeyes, for instance, um, I'm not going to get any credit for that. But as soon as I criticize the Hawkeyes, they're going to be some, some fans are going to be mad about that. And anytime I praise the Cyclones, for instance, or any of Iowa's rivals, well, I'm, I'm going to get dinged for that because that's not the way it should be. That's not the natural order of things to this certain small but noisy niche of fans. Mm. And I try to remember all that. But, you know, sometimes when somebody attacks you personally, you know, you, you kind of react in a in a defensive manner and try to take a deep breath and pause before you hit send and just realize, uh, let's, let's take a breath. Let's, let's think about this. It's probably not personal. You just there, or especially after a game has ended and it was a emotional loss for fans or something happened that they haven't had time to fully process and accept yet. That's when any kind of criticism can really rub a fan the wrong way yeah. and and you have to you have to keep that in mind if you're in my position but most of the time um i'm getting accused 50 50 of <laughs> you're obviously a cyclone you're obviously a hawkeye you work at who that's the world hawkeye organization oh i you're never heard that you're cyclone murphy you know there's <laughs> some there's some nicknames out there and as long as it's somewhat balanced it's never going to be completely balanced because the reality is 
we we enjoy our jobs are better. And I think I speak for most of the media members. Our jobs are better and more enjoyable when our teams are doing well. Uh, yeah. Fans are happier. People are in a better mood, especially in social media. Interactions are more pleasant. We get to cover big games, big bowls, NCAA tournaments. All of that is more fun when our teams are succeeding. So the narrative that the media is rooting against the, the local teams, it's just not true. Um, it's more fun. Now, uh, having said that, occasionally a story can get so negative that the story does switch to how badly it's going. Like when you start to watch, is a coach going to be fired? I mean, that happened with Iowa State basketball this year. Yeah. The longer they went winless in the conference, the more the story became, became is there any way Steve Prome can survive this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so sometimes negative does become a big story, but the big stories that are positive are more fun for us. I mean, that's what we enjoy more. And most of the time, the criticism or praise is uh, 50-50 with me. And this year, I had a new phenomenon because I kind of accidentally stumbled on doing quite a bit just to try to feel useful and, I don't know, in a small, tiny way, helpful to people. I started doing quite a bit of data reporting on the on the pandemic and COVID-19. And there were times where it was just like Cyclones and Hawkeyes, but it was conservative or liberal. Where oh. I was getting blasted from both <laughs> sides of, man, I, why don't. Yeah, why why don't you uh, just just go up there and hang out with your boy Trump? Or uh, <laughs> geez, uh, man, it, 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 you should move out there to Vermont with Bernie Sanders with this uh, all those liberal takes you have, and <laughs> it it just further showed to me that the confirmation bias is such a real thing. People are looking for information that confirms the position they already have, and. I think it really has helped me, at least for now, it's helped me have a little bit more perspective on this Cyclone Hawkeye thing. When you've been in the liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican crossfire, after that, the Cyclone Hawkeye thing actually seems okay compared to that because that gets nasty. Oh, I, and I've felt bad for you before. And I've even caught myself <laughs> back, you know, I, before we started doing this, um, you'd say, you know, mention something about how, you know, Iowa State did something very first class and, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, what the hell's he saying? Like, you know, I would, you, psych, you know, I'm thinking yeah, Cyclone yeah. Homer or whatever. And then I think about it for a second. I'm like, all right. Like, I've seen him say a lot of good stuff about the Hawkeyes too. Like, all right, let, let's relax a little bit. But but see, that makes you that makes you thoughtful, and I, I'm I'm serious when I say this. There, there, there are there is a small niche of fans who are incapable of of thinking that through. They see the praise of Iowa State in in your example, and we could flip it to the other side. They yeah. see that praise, and that angers them, and they don't think it through. Of well, didn't I just? Uh, didn't I just see him praising uh, Iowa last year? They don't think it through like that. But the problem that sometimes rears its ugly head, and I'm guilty of this, we give the the noisy niches a lot of time on radio and on the internet, on Twitter. We tend to start to think of this as this is who Hawkeye fans are. This is who Cyclone fans are. Well, every fan base, you know, has the those fans, you know, those fans that it's it's 
life and death to them in maybe an unhealthy way, but that's not most fans. And that's, no. that's what, uh, something we do over here called RV TV that we travel around the state and, and celebrate the Cyhawk rivalry. That's why it's meant so much to me over the years. Cause just going and seeing what the rivalry really is compared to what it seems like it is on my Facebook feed and my Twitter <laughs> feed. Sometimes it helps me like course correct. You know, one program that you definitely have not been biased toward is the University of Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, you, you guys on Sound Off have yeah. done some hilarious stuff that we've shared out quite a bit. Um, it's essentially right in our wheelhouse. You know, I, I don't know. You probably don't know a ton about us, but we're essentially um, a group, a social media group put together for Hawkeye fans that live in Nebraska and in Western Iowa, just to kind of bring people together, do game watches and uh, just connect people so they don't feel like they're alone out here. And those, those skits you guys do are freaking hilarious. And I truly feel like Andy's got an ax to grind with Nebraska, which I love. I think it's fantastic. Um, can you walk us through how some of those skits have come to fruition? And if have you got any backlash or feedback from Husker Nation on any of that? Yes. <laughs> All uh, right. A, a lot, a lot of backlash. And I will say again, it's not, it's not most fans. It can feel like it sometimes, but uh, I mean, we, we work, we work with some, Nebraska fans, a hardcore Nebraska fan, Erin Kiernan, our, our main, one of our main news anchors. She's a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan her whole life. She gets it. She gets the joke. Cause the, the joke for the most part is you can pick apart. It's kind of the niche we were just talking about. You can pick apart this percentage, the small percentage of the fan base that takes it way too seriously, that lives in the past too much, that yep. doesn't want to hear any criticism. I mean, every fan base has those fans. Yeah. And Aaron recognizes the satirical value of what we're doing. And most of the Cornhusker fans we hear from or know, they're like that too. But not all of them. The Cooter Rays <laughs> of the world are furious. They're real. And they're out there. They're real and they're mad. And they will send you like a photo of the trophy case and ask how Iowa's looks or how many you know championships does Iowa State have, that kind of thing. They're legit mad. Um, and it, it came about because most of us know a Nebraska fan or have heard from Nebraska fans that they, they just can't get out of the 90s. Yeah. And they just can't accept that they're not where they were in their glory days. Now, when I'm when I'm being thoughtful and talking about things in the real world, I say like, well, you know, at, at the root of some of these sketches is just our inherent jealousy because we don't have a run like that. As Iowa yeah. and Iowa State fans, we don't have championships in the 90s. We didn't have a run like Nebraska had. But since you can't stop putting it in our faces all the time, don't expect the fans of Iowa and Iowa State to not enjoy your fall. And your fall just keeps getting worse. But you just can't accept it. You're like, wow. you, can't, you can't course correct and say, you know what? It's never going to be like that anymore. It's always the next coach. And that coach gets fired. And doesn't matter how much he wins, he gets fired because he's not Tom Osborne and neither is the next guy or the next guy or the next guy. And, you know, then it's going to be Scott Frost. And it's just it's it's just lent itself to satire. And it just hasn't stopped. And Chris Hassel took it up a notch. I mean, with some of his, uh, you know, brilliant uh, genius that he has sometimes for creating these characters but that infuriated people, especially Cooter Ray. I mean, they were fans. <laughs> so insulting. 
Uh, and uh, Andy did some of that. Like he plays a character that was frozen, in, you know, for for 20 years and then woke up and he just he's living in this world where Nebraska still is the most dominant football player in the world. Our friend Scott Sipker even took this to ESPN where he was, you know, he would do on the college game day, he would do some uh, Nebraska bits and it's uh, it, it hasn't stopped. But when somebody asked me like once in a while, somebody go, do you, do you guys really hate Nebraska? We, we don't, it's just a joke. It, yeah. It's just a joke, but it is fun. And I don't know if you've ever heard it. If you haven't, I'll send it to you. But Andy got a voicemail a couple of years ago from a funeral home director who lives on the Iowa border. I think it's the somewhere like I, West Bend is where it is. I'm not sure. Okay. That's Is that near South Dakota? I've heard West of it, Bend? but I'm not exactly sure. He's, he's the funeral director there. And Andy has done a What's Bugging Andy. Again, just clearly trolling Nebraska fans and he's got all kinds of things about the only thing big and red is your ass after being <laughs> spanked again. You lost to Troy, uh, Troy, you know, and he's really animating. He's going, and this guy leaves a message and I'm sure you've had this happen before where somebody starts out kind of calm and professional, but the more they think about it, they just keep getting more angry and it goes up and up and up and by the end, he's he's just dropping MFs on his voicemail. So we played that on the on the radio show, and the people in West Bend they just called. They're like, "Oh, we know who that is. That's uh." And they recognized his voice. They told us all about you know his his history and why he's such a Nebraska fan. And let's be honest, most of the Nebraska fans in Iowa are Nebraska fans because they jumped on that championship bandwagon when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't because they went to Nebraska. Are they Nebraska basketball fans? I mean, mo no. most, of them, most of them weren't. Uh, not all, but that's how the way some of it goes. But uh, we are just joking, but it, it 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 has gotten kind of fun. Oh, it's it's an absolute blast to watch. And uh, it's one of my favorite segments of the show. But you can't imagine, like, living here as a, as a huge diehard Hawkeye fan I 90% of my wardrobe that's not, you know, for work is Hawkeye gear. And if I walk into a sports bar or a restaurant or a public place, it's like a legitimate alien. Like everybody stops what they're doing. They turn around and they look at me and then they start whispering to each other. And I'm like, ah, yeah, my wife's like, they're talking about you right now. And I'm like, oh, God, I, love, I don't care. I love it. Like there it's yeah. legit. Like I've walked into a small town bar before I hadn't been to. Um, in Northeast Nebraska, and it felt legit like in the movies where the music goes, it just stops, <laughs> and all every head turned in the whole place, like right at me when I walked in, and I was, hey guys, how we doing? You know, it's it, it's I, interesting. I've seen that happen, and I, I I do think the past year is gonna help a lot of people with that. I hope it does because we talk about sometimes on Sound Off and on the radio show there there's hate and there's sports hate. You know, real hate is, <laughs> is bad and it's a cancer and it does a lot of destructive things. Yeah. Sports hate kind of stops when something more serious comes up. Like when people really need to help each other, when, when, yeah. when neighbors who are fans of different teams actually have a crisis, uh, the sports hate goes away. Yeah. And uh, I think this year reminded us of that. But yeah, the uh, the old Western where you walk in and the door swing and everything stops because, you know, you're in enemy territory. 
Uh, that's sports hate. And uh, if they could see that, that's quite a background you have there. You've got a, you've got quite a, is this your, are you in your basement or your office? It's my man cave. I got a, I'm a huge Hawkeye collector. So you I, are. Uh, I had to build my own little Hawkeye. That's why we call it the Nebraska Hawks nest. It kind of stemmed from this room. So um, I had to build myself my own little cocoon here for uh, just to feel like a little, my little piece of home here in Nebraska. So. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I got a, I mean, I could tell you, and we don't have all the time to tell you all the stories I've had. And I, and I've told my wife before, I'm like, I don't know that I could ever move back to Iowa because walking into a place with a Hawkeye shirt on, I would be so disappointed in the reaction I'd get living in Iowa opposed to where I'm at now. It's like, I I, I almost thrive off of it anymore. Like it's pretty great. One thing I, I have seen as as I've gotten older, my wife, Jenny, and I, we've, we've tried to see more of the world. Couldn't do that this past year, but we, we've tried to see a lot of places. And you you see Hawkeye gear like I, I can be almost anywhere. And at some point we'll see a Hawkeye fan. I mean, it, it really is a, a brand you can find about about anywhere. And I've always mm-hmm. been impressed by that. And and also. Like uh, we go to visit our our friend Bryce Miller, who yeah. um, lives out in San Diego now. He used to write for the Des Moines Register, and he went to the University of Iowa. Well, he uh, we got out there one, first time we visited him after he moved out there. It was December, and the Cyhawk basketball game was coming on. I was like, "Is there is there going to be anywhere we can watch this and have a beer?" He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, there's there's a Hawkeye club out here." And, you know, they have a designated bar and fans that showed up, filled the bar. There are Hawkeye fans. And that that happens in almost every major city Yeah, there, th- that Hawkeye fans get together to watch football games, basketball games. Probably going to start adding women's basketball to that pretty soon. Wrestling matches. I mean, it's it it's cool. So I know when you wear that black and gold out, you'll find some fans. So when Keith is hanging out at his house alone and just watching some TV, is he putting on a Cyclone t-shirt or a Hawkeye t-shirt? I don't wear either. Really? Um, I, I don't. I don't ever. I don't ever wear either. Uh, we had uh, two sons uh, just graduated from Iowa. Well, two years apart, but one just graduated. Um, and my wife graduated from Iowa State. So this Ooh. this gives us some... Uh, uh, this gives me more cover. It's okay. Like, it's just like, oh, I got the kids. I went to Iowa. I spent a lot of money. All right. Well, Jenny went to Iowa State. Uh, so again, but what uh, what my wife gets a kick out of is I have I have tendency of having something that I can blend in with a, a crowd with the colors without it actually being Hawkeye or Cyclone gear. For instance, if I'm going to if it's fall weather and I'm going to an Iowa football game, I might wear my uh, Ampipe hoodie from All the Right Moves. It's black, it's gold, but it's it's not a Hawkeye hoodie, but I'm not wearing like a blue hoodie into an Iowa game. Or you go to an Iowa State basketball game, sit in the crowd, might wear a Hickory Huskers shirt, cardinal and gold, but it's not a Cyclone shirt. So I, I I have some pieces I can wear Without actually wearing the, the the school colors. Now Andy has a different attitude about this because we we are given a lot of a lot of uh, gear from time to time, t-shirts, hats, all of that. He wears it. He 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 wears all of it. And if anybody asks, you're like, uh, yeah, I really don't care. 
what you think of it. Uh, you know, I, I like this shirt. I like this hat. I don't do that, but he's not wrong. I, I love how he's so unapologetic about all yeah, of that. Yeah, that's sure. what makes him awesome. I, I love yeah. that. And yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and let your tie do in the talk, do the talking for me. Cause it looks like a pretty black and gold tie there and it looks nice. But uh, see, that's again, that's your confirmation bias. That's navy blue uh, okay. and, and gold. See, you see uh, what that's the eye seeing what it wants to see. I'm seeing By the black, way, but where, where do you look when you're doing this? Because I feel like, like I'm looking at you on my screen, but that might be making me cross eyed. I'm not looking at the camera. Do you try to look at the camera? I or don't do you, look at the camera. I look, look at the at screen. Me? Yeah, I look at you. Uh, okay, good. Well, yeah. if I. If you have some people asking if I've had corrective eye surgery or something, it's it's because I'm looking across. Well, that's the opposite way. Looking this way. Yeah, I would feel weird like looking into the camera like that because I want to like actually feel like I'm talking to you, and that's kind of harder to do. Well, hello there. <laughs> yeah, it is on. Yeah, it yeah, it's a little different. Um, you've had a ton of experience, and I want to get your perspective on this dealing for the last 25, 30 years with Hawkeye fans uh, and Cyclone fans, Panther fans, mm -hmm. all of them. I feel like it with the Iowa Hawkeye fans, there's a big divide in the fan base on a topic. And half the fans think that, you know, we should expect um, the team to at least be every three to four or five years compete for a national championship and be in that picture and winning big 10 championships. And then you have the other side of the fan base. It's like, just shut up and root for the team. You know, we're, we're happy that we're not at the bottom of the big 10, you know, we're winning eight, nine games every year. And that's, you know, a, a, a definite big divide in the fan base. Um, I like to tell people it's okay to want a national championship and expect a national championship. Cause you know, you shoot for the stars, then, you know, you're going to, end up lower than that, you're still going to do pretty darn good. What is your opinion on that whole topic? And specific to football? Specific to football, yeah. I think that it that is okay to uh, expect that you will occasionally be in the conversation to get to the national championship and maybe have a shot. I think anybody that thinks that at, at Iowa in a state of 3 million people where you have Another team that now is better than it's ever been in its history at football, Iowa State. Yeah. You're the only state with a Big Ten and Big 12 team inside its borders. Yeah. And you have three million people um, to expect that team to compete for a national championship every three and four years. That's unrealistic. Yeah. I think, if anything, the back-to-back -back Hayden Fry, Kirk Ferentz has probably spoiled some fans in thinking that this is easy and that this is what should come along, um, that, that every coach is going to be able to do this. Because what Hayden Fry did, and you have to talk to an old timer, somebody even older than me, uh, to realize like how bad Iowa football was for a sustained period of time. And Hayden Fry turned that around and it started to dip a little bit at the end. And Kirk Ferentz took a couple of years, but then he got it back to basically where Hayden had it. And I, I think some fans are spoiled by that. Uh, and I think you can look at what Kirk Ferentz has done with, what, five top ten finishes. I think that's good. I think that that should be celebrated. And I think you're in a couple of cases, you're not that far removed from being in the national championship conversation. I mean, the, the year that Stansy goes down, that was a really good football team yeah. that had a chance to run the table. The year 
Uh, Brad Banks dropped the football a couple of times over in, in Kinnick Stadium, and the only loss was to Iowa State. And many Hawkeye fans had trouble ever getting over that because that kept the perfect regular season from happening. That team wasn't that far from being really legitimately in that conversation. Um, 2015, perfect regular season. You got a chance to beat Michigan State and get into the college football playoff. Now, um, it's I don't think it's realistic the way it is in basketball, probably to think that if you get into that final four, that Iowa is going to beat Alabama, as you saw yeah. what Michigan State ran into. Yeah. And at some point, the disparity in talent does catch up a little bit, talent and depth. You can make up for some of that, but over the course of a four quarter game with uh, 22 players in the starting lineups, it, it it can add up and it can wear you down. But but I don't think Iowa's that far away. I feel like what Kirk Ferentz has done is, is celebrated and should be. And at the same time, I feel like it's okay to think, you know, it, it, we shouldn't be seven and five. I, I think we, nine, ten wins should happen. Um, but it's not it's not easy. Ask Nebraska. Ask Minnesota, ask Indiana, ask Purdue. I mean, there are many teams in the Big Ten all trying to do what Iowa has done. Um, And Iowa State, Iowa State has a coach right now that probably has as high approval rating as any coach in the country in Matt Campbell. Yeah. And Iowa State still doesn't even have a 10-win season. Kirk Ferentz has had, what, like four or five of those? Yeah, at least. Okay, well, I mean, it's hard to do. And I think some of what happens is the longer you're in a job, the more the unknown starts to be appealing to you. It's like, eh, you know, I don't want the career politician anymore. Let's bring in the guy who who used to host a reality show on NBC. You, you know, you just start to want something yeah. different. And with Ference, you kind of know what you're going to get, but... I think it might be a little bit underrated when you look around and see how many programs wish they were Iowa and how many programs does Iowa wish they were. There there are some, but there aren't that many. And most of the ones that are above Iowa are in recruiting hotbeds and Iowa's not. So you're going to have to do more with less. And right now for Iowa and Iowa state to both have top 25 programs that there's a reason that's never happened before. It's really unlikely in the state of Iowa. That's going to be one heck of a football game this year. That Cyhawk game. I mean, wow. And I I'll be honest with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm very upfront with all the Iowa fans. I don't know that we can beat that team next year, but it's going to be a hell of a game. And I think Matt Campbell's one of the best coaches in the country. In your opinion, does he stay at Iowa state? Well, I don't think he'll be there the rest of his career. Um, it just, that, that just kind of thing doesn't happen much anymore. And I, I think over time, Kirk Ferentz, to some degree, has learned this. And most coaches do. If you stay somewhere, even if you have a lot of success, it's just human nature to keep keep raising the bar. All right, yeah. you got it. All we ever want, this is Iowa State talking, all we want, just one year. Could we please beat Iowa? Please, just one year. I mean, that, Cyclone fans, I heard that a thousand times during that 15-year yeah. losing streak to Iowa. 
Is it too much to ask that we just beat Iowa one year? Well, Dan McCartney finally does that. A lot. Like it, yeah, five years in a row. Yeah. Then it's can, – can we just go to a bowl game? I just – in my lifetime, I'd like to – okay, bowl game, in the bowl game. Could, can we just win a bowl game? Is that too much to – win the bowl game? I think that was 99 or 2000. All right, finally won a bowl game. Can, can we just – can we just beat a really good team? Can we beat an Oklahoma or a Nebraska one year? Well, that happens. And anyway, this all ends up building to where McCarney is like, eh, you know, he's good and he's done a lot, but I don't think he can take us to a big 12 championship. And you have to be careful what you wish for in those cases. Cause it's really hard to, to keep going up. And that is what's made what Matt Campbell has done all the more impressive. Matt Campbell yeah. has done something at Iowa state that frankly, I did not think possible. I mean, I thought you can occasionally upset a big program. You can occasionally win seven or eight games, maybe even nine. I did not think you could compete for a Big 12 championship unless you had divisions like McCarney had. But to play Oklahoma, Texas, all those teams, and to compete for a championship, I didn't think that was realistic. And Campbell did it last year. I mean, they were 8-1 and playing everybody in the Big 12, and they, they had the football and a chance to beat Oklahoma in Dallas. Never thought I'd see that. So he is a really good coach. And most people, including Kirk Herbstreit, have been wrong. Everybody, almost everybody said, he's gone. No way. As soon as he, as soon as he gets this program going and gets an offer, gets a sniff, he's going to be out of here. He's too smart to stay. But he has stayed. And yeah. uh, you got to give him credit for that. But at some point, could a job come open that, or an NFL job? that he thinks, you know what, I'm ready for the next challenge. I think at some point that will happen, but uh, I, I don't think it's imminent. And I try to tell Cyclone fans that worry about it, just enjoy what's going on now. Don't worry yeah. about what you can't control because this is what you've wanted your whole lifetime is like a coach that's really good and a team that can actually compete. Don't worry about two years from now. Just enjoy this ride. If he sticks around, how good is that Cyhawk rivalry going to be over the next – 10 years. I mean, that that's the most uh, like overlooked rivalry in the country that it seems like ESPN in the last two or three years finally figured that out and got on board with how good of a game that is. And it doesn't matter if Iowa State stinks that year. It doesn't matter if Iowa does. That's a pretty competitive uh, to the you know wall game every single year. Um really want to get your thoughts on this is strictly opinion based here too obviously um in your opinion if you had to guess we're you and i we're sitting at the bar having a couple beers and we're just talking what, what's kirk's succession plan three beers four okay we're on like our fifth maybe okay because um, i need you to loosen up and, and be able to tell me what you really think uh we're we're talking kirk here what's what's the succession plan how long is he going to stick around because it just seems like he's he's getting more refined with age. It's get, it's getting better and better, more consistently. And I don't think Iowa fans want him to retire. But if he does, do you have an opinion on how long down the road that could be? And, and what do you think is the succession play with his with his replacement, as in a potential Brian Ferentz? Does a does a, a you know a Coach Parker get a chance? What, what's your opinion on that? I I don't think that he has any set retirement date in mind right now. I, I, I really don't. I do think, I do think that he's reinvigorated. I mean, I think that, uh, and to give, give Kurt Ferentz some credit, I think he has evolved more than most people ever 
thought he would. I mean, there are some times where he takes a step back and realizes, you know what? I, I need to change a little bit. I remember there were there were several years ago. I don't know how I many years get away from me sometimes, but he did some self-evaluation at the end of the year and he did not like the way he had acted with the media. He felt like he had been short with some of his answers that he had, uh, you know, he had maybe done an extra amount of his sarcastic snort, you know, the, yeah, that thing he does sometimes. Yeah. And he, he didn't, he didn't like the way uh, he acted and he, he vowed to improve on that stuff. And he did, he started to, allow the media more access. He did more interviews. Uh, he started coming on our radio show once a week. And I, I can't tell you the amount of people that I had say to me, like, uh, I, 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 I've enjoyed Kirk on the radio show so much because I've never heard this side of him because we kind of, we tried to go out of our way to not talk to f- much football because he already has the press conference where he's asked every questions, you know, several different ways and for yeah. reasons we understand reporters are doing their job, but, you know, we'd ask him about his first date with Mary or, uh, that's you know, awesome. What was it like when you, when you, when you had no money and you were trying to get a better coaching job or what was the first concert you ever went to that kind of stuff. And he would, uh, you know, he would just lighten up and come out of that robotic coaching mode that many coaches can get in easily these days. And people started to see him in a little bit different light. Maybe for us, most well-known Chris Hassel, who at times has been a Ferentz critic because Chris feels like Iowa should win an occasional national championship. Mm-hmm. So he has been hard on Ferentz at times. But but he started to really like this side of him. And then we had the, you know, the the Kirk 2.0, the uh going for it on fourth downs. And 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 then last year the you know all the off the field challenges that that happened and the criticism toward Kirk and the national story that came out i think he had more self reflection and i think there was more motivation there to finish this thing on a really strong note and think of the amount of hawkeye fans after the first two games those first two close losses that thought up oh, is you can tell he's lost he's lost the locker room this is yeah. it. the beginning of the end they didn't lose again yeah. And they would have they would have beaten uh, Missouri and who else was canceled at the end? Who was going to be Michigan? The, uh, Michigan, yeah. I mean, yeah. in my mind, they're going to end with eight straight wins and uh, with, with a shaky quarterback at times, which is really hard to do in the modern game because there is no more important position in all of sports than a quarterback right now in yeah. this uh, football. So I, I think he's uh, I think he's evolved. He's in really good shape for. 65 66 whatever he is yeah he looks um, great yeah he works out every day uh it, i i think he plans to to coach several more years and i do think like like most dads who have a son that's in the same profession like if my son were a broadcaster uh, there would be part of me it's like you know what i'd really like him to do is you know host sound off and Follow me at WHO 13 someday. I mean, it's just natural. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't have, I, I have no doubt that he would like to see Brian be the head coach of, of the Hawkeyes someday. I, I think that got harder last year. Um, I don't, I don't know that it's completely uh, out of the possibility right now. It, time tends to change things faster than we think. I mean, I yeah. had, I had, 
I had a couple of people, uh, managers at our station that bet me last summer that Kirk Ferentz would not be the coach when Iowa started the season. I said, yes, he will. No, no way he survives this. I said, no, he, he, he will. There's going to have to be some changes and it's, it's, it's going to be a rocky ride here for a little bit, but he'll survive this. And, and he did. Yeah. Well, level-headed people that follow the Iowa program for as many years as you have and mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of other people, I think we all kind of knew that he was going to get through it at some point. And I was super impressed with the self-reflecting that he did and how diligent he seemed to be with trying to improve that process. I really want to know from your perspective what it was like as a journalist to cover that, because that had to have been very, very difficult for you to do, especially considering you say anything negative about Iowa, you're going to get hammered. Mm-hmm. You know, you say anything negative about Iowa State, you get hammered. That was a very touchy subject over the summer with the accusations of racial uh, ra- racial bias. How, as a journalist and just as a human being, how difficult was that for you to cover? Well, it, it was difficult because one thing is just full disclosure. I, I like Kirk Ferentz and, and uh, I respect Kirk Ferentz. So I, I don't think 100% objectivity is, is probably ever realistic, but I think full disclosure is. And that if you, it, it, like I, I tell people to work, work with me as like, it, don't, don't try to hide that you went to the University of Iowa if you did. Just tell them they can expect you to be fair, but just disclose what what some of your bias is or what some of your background is. And, you know, if you're friends with somebody, don't hide it. But then you're expected and you're you're paid and your profession demands that you be uh, fair. You know, it doesn't all it doesn't mean don't ever have an opinion. A lot of people sometimes confuse in journalism. I, I believe that they confuse objective with meaning never having any feelings or opinions on anything. I mean, Walter Cronkite before your time helped change America's entire opinion on the Vietnam war because he soured on it. No Mm. one would accuse him of not being fair, but uh, something a reporter should do is they should take in what they see. And unless they're writing just a game summary uh, what you're supposed to do and what we try to do in some of our more serious commentaries is, is be thoughtful, uh, be fair, but but be thoughtful. So it, it was difficult for me because I, I do, going back to last summer, I do like Kirk Ferentz, but I thought uh, also that some of this have to take a step back from and just say like, you know, I don't know. We're going to have to listen to what some of the players say, especially the current and former black players have to say, because how do I know what went on behind closed doors? I don't know. And as I look around at most of the other journalists covering this, they're all white men like me. So do I know what it feels like to be a, a, a black, uh, a young black man that walks through the football facility and everywhere he looks, there are white people at, at most every position he passes. I don't know what that's like. And I don't know what they felt. I do think Kirk Ferentz took that all in and believed that changes did need to be made. I do think like almost always happens with this kind of thing. I think some people took it too far. I think some people got opportunistic about it and made it try to be worse than it 
actually was. I think there were some made up stories and exaggerated stories, but I think there were some disturbing things too and some trends that we'd be foolish as as journalists or fans or observers to just say there's nothing to this. You know, five former black players saying there's a problem. Well, that that's a small sample size. When it gets to be more than 50, and then some of the apologists say, well, these are guys are all making a cash grab. Some of these guys are in the NFL making millions. They, they yeah. weren't bringing these things up because they wanted money. They really do think there's a problem. And to take it full circle, one of the one of the rare times I've been publicly critical of Kirk Ferentz was in how he and Chris Doyle handled Rabdo and how the entire University of Iowa handled that Rabdo crisis. Yeah. But they were very flippant about it and dismissive. And I thought, you know, there are 13 players in the hospital. This is very serious. I don't think they intended to hospitalize anything. I don't think there was any uh, any kind of punitive uh, intent to any of this. But the end result is these families, these parents entrusted you with their kids and 13 of them ended up in the hospital because you did a grueling workout way before you should have. Yeah. And I, I thought uh, I thought at that time that Ferentz should have taken that a little more seriously, but instead he awarded Chris Doyle assistant coach of the year award as kind of a pushback to anybody that had, had criticized him. That's how much he thought of Chris Doyle and how much he thought that the criticism was unfair. I don't think that award was ever given again either, by the way. Huh. But I think I think that probably you took a guy who already knowingly had a, a big ego, was really, really good at his job, Chris Doyle. Yeah. Really good at his job. I mean, just, no one can argue with the results that he got. And many of the players who were criticizing the culture said, I'm in the NFL because of Chris Doyle. I mean, so no one's questioning, can the man do his job? They were questioning, was he belittling some people or or making them feel bad or treating everybody the same and some players couldn't take it? And in some cases, those were white players. And that's where a lot of the, the defense came down because many people thought, you know, Chris Doyle is like an old school drill sergeant. He's like an equal opportunity a-hole. I'm going to break you down and I'm going to build you back up and I'm going to make you better than you ever were before. And a lot of people respond to that, but some don't. Yeah. Like I, my, my two youngest boys, one of them needs a kick in the ass. The other one needs a pat on the back. And yeah. clearly some of the players did not respond well to this. But I think after the Rabdo, no punishment, no suspension, no consequences whatsoever for Chris Doyle. I think that made him more powerful than ever and more unchecked than ever. And he's the highest paid assistant coach in the country. So that builds. And I, I don't think that Kirk Ferentz had an idea of what some of this culture was like, but I think it was kind of what we see so often in college sports. We had unchecked power. Doesn't mean Chris Doyle isn't good at his job. Doesn't mean he didn't get good results. Uh, doesn't mean he shouldn't ever have an opportunity again. Um, but I don't think he still thinks he did anything wrong. And when you have that many players, many of whom said, I owe my career to you, but some of that sucked. I think you need to do some self-reflection on that before you get back into the game. Think, you know what? I, I maybe need to change some things. Mm -hmm. And I think Kirk Ferentz, to his everlasting credit, as much as he gets a hard time sometimes for being unchanging, I think Kirk Ferentz has evolved and learned as he's gone. 
And I think he's having a, uh, I, I think he's kind of surging again. I think he's, I think he's reinvigorated. Long answer. Oh, that's a great answer. If Chris Doyle comes forward and apologizes and, and takes responsibility for it and is remorseful, does he keep his job? I think he might. I, I, I think there's a chance. I'm going to, I'm going to speculate that he would not have in part because of the unique climate we were in at that time. Yeah. We had protests, demonstrations, riots. I mean, it was, you have to put yourself back in the mind frame of what that was like at the time. Yeah. So I, I think it would be hard, but I, I think he had a chance to, just to be in a job right now, the Jaguars job. Maybe he keeps that job if he had shown any remorse or any, any, learning from that basically the only thing we've ever seen is a statement from him that basically says i've i've never i've never done anything that was discriminatory i've never had any racist behavior or intent or anything and i do believe he believes that and i i don't think that he knowingly ever targeted uh black players or went after this group or that group i don't think he operated that way but the reality of it is um there were not five, 10, 20, there were dozens who felt belittled and that just doesn't play in 2021 or 2020 anymore. It just doesn't. I mean, yeah. some of us can sit there and go like, I can, I can say, you know, my high school football coach used to grab my face fast, scream right into my eye hole there and spit on me and call me names. Cause he did. And I took it and then I ran back in and sometimes my dad was on the sideline watching him do it. That was a different time. You can't do that anymore. And yeah. some of what Chris Doyle was doing, you just can't do anymore. No, uh, that's a great point. And, you know, it, it was probably time for a little bit of a evolving of the program and, and a little bit of some changes to be made. And it seems like the feedback that we're getting from everyone is that, you know, it, it's positive changes and, you know, people feel like they can be themselves a little bit more and a little bit more of a laid back approach behind the scenes. Um, speaking of behind the scenes, I, before we let you go, I need to ask you about this whole situation just, and I'm going to tell you what it was like from the outside looking in. Okay. Um, when ESPN came knocking and that you were eventually it had sounded like it was a done deal externally <laughs> to to the public. Yeah. We're like, oh, Murph's going to go into ESPN is going to be on Sports Center because you were, you know, you had that Sports Center swag before local sportscasters did. You were yourself. Yeah. You were humorous. Like, you know, you you broadcasted with a lot of, you know, we feel like yeah, that that's my that's my guy. That's my friend Keith Murphy. You know, you feel like you know you. Well, you know, like we have a personal relationship watching you all the time. People can relate to you. Um, what was that process like? Because the the people of Des Moines thought there for a while that they'd lost one of their own and he ended up coming back. I, I didn't ever really leave. Um, I mean, it was a long time ago and I was fortunate that, that, uh, that they were interested. And I did talk to my bosses at, uh, at WHO and, they didn't want me to go and they, they made it clear that they weren't going to just let me go. And it gave me uh, kind of some time to reflect on that. Of Do I don't want to be the kind of person that's just going to leave when I have agreed to be here. I mean, I, yeah. I wasn't free to go anywhere I wanted. Um, so I ended up saying no. And then 
feeling like I might have the opportunity again. And then uh, fortunately, a couple of years later, when when uh, my contract was up by then, I, I did just feel like I've got it good here. And it's one of the best decisions I've ever made because I've seen it time and time again that uh, not just in my profession, but in, in uh, coaching and, and many other professions where you feel like getting a, what's considered a better job and making more money is, is going to make you happy. And for most of my twenties, that is, that's what I thought. Everybody's chasing the next rung on the ladder. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's at, at some point it occurred to me that, you know, life isn't, life isn't the job. Life is the people, you know, when you meet and you get to spend your life with your family, your friends outside of work, that, that's, that's life. Uh, and it took me a long time to realize that. I mean, I was, uh, I was obsessed with sports when I was in high school too much. I mean, I was the guy that was too much into it. And then I was obsessed too much with career for a while. And then at some point it did dawn on me that like, Hey, you need to start figuring out what makes you happy. And that's why I always have so much respect for these guys that, that look around and think, you know what? I don't, I don't have to take the higher paying job or go somewhere else because, you know, happiness is where you find it. And, and I found it here and, you know, Chris Hassel, I was fortunate enough to, to, to watch my, my friend, somebody I, I hired and think the world of I mean, sports center came after him and he went there and he was really good. And they, they just did not let him be himself. Mm-hmm. You know, every time, as I would put it, Hassel tried to be Hassel. He'd get called in on the carpet and they'd check him down. Uh-oh. And it's like, well, did you see this guy's tape? Did you see what he was doing on sound off? Did you, I mean, why'd you hire him? If you're not going to let Hassel be Hassel, yeah. I mean, this is why you hire this guy. He, he's yes, he can do play by play. And yes, he's a fine studio anchor, but this guy could be on SNL. You know, you, you got to let him go. Um, and he, he was, mostly he he liked many of the people, but he was mostly miserable there. He was much happier at WHO. Maybe not when he's out shooting softball when it's 115 degrees, but when he was doing the fun stuff at WHO, yeah, uh, he, he loved the job there more. And now he's at CBS sports HQ and they're letting Hassel be Hassel. He's done some of these videos that are very reminiscent of sound off. He's very funny. He gets to do play by play on the weekends and, so he has ended up kind of combining the the best of both worlds, but um, by the way, ESPN. <laughs> sometimes people are so nice when they bring this up to me, but my gosh, they they can pick from anybody in the world. I'll, I'll bet they didn't give it another day's thought that I wasn't coming. I mean, they're fine. They were fine then. They're fine now. Um, they just they, they they didn't they didn't need me. And I think that's maybe partly accidentally what I figured out is um, I I wouldn't have really mattered there probably for the most part. But here on a small scale in my little world, I get to matter a little bit to to some people, not all people. It's not an important job, but uh, it's one that I can feel good about when uh, when. when Somebody says, you know, that hey, just a few minutes there. Uh, I found that entertaining. That's 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 not important, but it is uh, satisfying. So I'm yeah. glad. I'm- 
Well, it, it is important. You know, I disagree with you on that and you do it well. And we're very happy that you, you know, stuck around for all these years. I, and I know it means a lot to the people of central Iowa and especially, you know, being consistently employed because ESPN was hacking, <laughs> hacking those jobs like crazy, man. You might have been like, you know, laid off. You never know. They got rid of Cut. so many people. I know oh. they, they fired Hassel. Yeah. That, that's how he got turned out to be a great thing for him. But yeah, you're right. That's, I could, I, I might've been cut too. Um, and you are a, you are a number here. It's easier to be a little bit more of a part of the community. And I don't take myself that seriously, but I take the, the job seriously. And uh, boy, this past year, I, I had a reminder of like, the people who do really important jobs and those of us who are just hoping to entertain those people so they can get back to those important jobs. That's kind of the, the way I, I look at it, but there aren't many things I, I, I feel like I could do. So I'm glad I get to do this at least for a while longer. I might make the, might, might make it to the finish. There's a lot more, a lot more tread on those tires, Keith. You, <laughs> I you hope keep so. On, you keep on There's trucking, not, man. Not much tread up here, but uh, how are you doing there? Yeah, you're hanging uh, pretty good. I'm all uh, right. No, yeah, you're doing well. It's thinning out. The worst part about it is it's getting real white right through here. I'm like, I'm in my late 30s. I'm going to look like old man river here pretty soon at the rate that it's going. I'm already pale as it can be right oh. now that I'm throwing in some white facial hair and i can't and i when you have a chubby baby face you gotta have a beard to you know help shaping that out now it's all turned white i'm like geez life's just throwing me every curveball it can and i'm just playing the hand i'm dealt as best as possible but i'm 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 trying i'm holding it all together keith i'm doing everything i can i don't know it's it's exhausting yeah i know the the pale thing i got the same thing i got the irish pale skin man if i grow a if i grow a beard out it probably comes out white now i'd look like a q-tip Oh, you should do it. Just rock it, man. <laughs> you got the evolution of, of Keith Murphy, man. You got to like, got, you know, pull the letterman at some point and just let that beard flow and come you know, down. Yeah. Just go just, to the, put the, start putting the glasses out on the nose like this. I don't know if Jenny would like that though. She, you, the wife wouldn't be too happy about that. No, she probably wouldn't like that. She, she's not a big fan of the, uh, the, the, the big bushy beards either. Yeah. She, like the neatly trimmed beard. I could probably do that. But yeah. those, uh, those, those ones that when, when somebody puts a mask on it, I see what that it. looks like where it's, yeah. it's coming out all sides. Yeah. I don't think I could get away with that. You get like food caught in that stuff and like all kinds of nasty crap. I don't, I just can't, I couldn't do it. I play with it all the time and always touching my face. So. I, yeah, I, maybe get dreads. I'd get some dreads. Yeah, a little multicolor action going, a little dye, and it's like there's no limit to what you can do with the endless possibilities. You can get a perm. Yay! Um, well, <laughs> I had a perm. I had a perm once. Did you really? I did. I did. I I I bring it up uh, because it is the one time in my entire life that my dear father was outwardly disappointed in me, and it crushed me. I was a oh. freshman in college. Everybody was getting the perms. So I, I went and I got the perm and I drove home. I was really close to my parents and I was, I was excited for them. to. You know, I came kind of walking in, had a little extra bounce in my step, had the perm. That's back when I had a full head of hair, came in just feeling like I was about to get the compliments. And, and my dad was just, what the hell did you do to your hair? I and raised I you see, better than that. I could see the disappointment on his face and I was just crushed. And the, the, it was nighttime by the time I got there. The next day, 
I went back to a place and I didn't even know this was a thing. I was like, is there any way to get this perm out? And they're like, well, it's terrible for your hair, but uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to use some straightener, you can straighten it back out. And so huh. I paid, I paid for a perm when I had no money. I was working three jobs to pay my way through college and I paid for a perm and a straightened perm in the same week because my dad was crushed. I didn't Just, know you could do that. I, I didn't either. I found out out of necessity. And I, I, man, if I had the picture of me in the perm right oh. now, I mean, I, I think I'd use it as my, like my Twitter profile. It's probably like, good. It's probably good you got rid of it though, because the responsibility of fighting off all the women with a head of hair like that would have been more than any guy could handle. That's a that may have been what my dad was thinking too. Yeah, he didn't, he, he didn't want me to have to deal with the just the throngs of women after yeah. my tight curls. <laughs> he wasn't ready for a grandkid yet. I'm like, come on, geez, <laughs> yeah, cut that right. hair. I did the same thing. I uh, grew my hair long in college, and then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna permit. That sounds like a good idea. So um, I had a, a girl that I was friends with. We bought like one of those home perm kits and, and I did it. And I legit looked like I stuck my finger in a light socket. It was just like a frizzy like mess. It was absolutely freaking ridiculous. So like Napoleon yeah. Dynamite or more Will Ferrell? Um, I would say more more Will Ferrell. It was okay. it was not good. And um, I was like, yeah, the idea I had in my head was like, Back in the day, like those those guys on the American Eagle ads with the long curly hair, like looks so cool. I'm gonna look like that. It's gonna look awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely my, not. My youngest son is uh, 17, and he just told me that perms are back in. And like one of his one of his friends has someone were just perming like uh, the, getting a perm in the back. So they just have like the mullet perm, but they keep straight hair on top. I, you know, kids always have to find ways to drive their parents crazy. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like all the the, the parent, parents are wearing the loose jeans. All right, I'm gonna wear them so tight that you're gonna be able to see the entire anatomy out shape. And then yeah. after a while, so the parents start wearing tighter jeans because they follow the kids' trends. Then the you know they're belting their jeans like at the bottom of their buttocks, that kind of thing. It always goes the other oh. way. I just watched some NCAA tournament highlights that. Uh, I forgot how baggy those shorts got in the NCAA oh, back in the tournament. Day. Yeah. yeah, not not even that long ago. It's like they're, they're like clam diggers. The shorts are coming down mid-calf. I remember in high school trying to cross over through the legs and I'd get the ball caught because of my bat. My shorts were so baggy and anymore they've like, they've raised way up again. And it's like any more of the style, like with it, like, you know, young girls jeans and like people's hair and like, you know, clear rim glasses and the round glasses. Like it's like the style now is if it looks awful, it's cool. Yes. That is, I, I think that's it. It's like, and how can I drive my parents crazy? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, you, you, you like this kind of music now? All right. Well, listen to this. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is that? And I'm sure my parents and your parents were of different generations felt the same way. It's like, what are these kids listening to? This is awful. Yeah. But that, that, that's the way it goes. And when you crossed over, by the way, with the big shorts, did, the, did you ever get the ball stuck in there? And they're like, where's the ball? I, where's the ball? Pretty close. And then, Jeez, you, and then you, awesome. you end up, you know, racking yourself with your hand because it gets <laughs> caught up there and then you're down. It's a whole mess. And I'm like, eh, maybe I need might need to get some shorts to fit a little bit better because the the long shorts for me were were not working out. We sound like some really like grumpy ass old men right now. 
get off my lawn. Yeah, that kind of thing. Get off my lawn. Oh, (laughs) all right. Well, Keith, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I only got about halfway through the questions I had for you, but I got to let you go. I know you got a family and a wife and other things you would like to do other than talk to me all night, which uh, we might have to schedule part two of this because I didn't even come close to getting through everything. I had such a good time talking to you. I got to get back to work. Um, it's been a pleasure being on. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to ask any of those other questions, you are uh, more than welcome. I'd be glad to do it. I right, enjoy talking to you. I had a blast talking to you too. Thanks a lot for taking time. And we usually end this with a go Hawks. And I don't know if we can do that <laughs> like right now. So maybe you just say go state of Iowa or go central uh, for, Iowa. Uh, for all of your listeners and viewers, go Hawks. Yeah, that's yeah. It's, okay. It's not my personal mantra or anything, but yeah, yeah they, okay. I, I get it. Yeah. Shoot. I have, I have two sons running around this central Iowa area yelling go Hawks all the time. And for the I wife and for the wife and all those cyclone fans out there, he's going, you go, go, go cyclones for them too. So, Oh, you know, she, uh, something happened with her though. She, uh, I, I, uh, Ike Butker's aunt, Ike who plays for the Buffalo yeah. Bills and yeah. great guy. Uh, great. You should have him on sometime. He's an awesome dude. We'd love he, to. He, uh, uh, I, Ike's aunt took my uh, wife, Jenny, over to the Iowa Football Ladies Academy, which raises money uh, for the Iowa's Children's Hospital. Yep. And it was one of Jenny, one of the best days of her life. I mean, she loved, uh, she, she loved Mary Ferentz and uh, she was in the same group as um, CJ Bethard's mom. They, they okay. were in like a four, group of four or five people. And they had like access that media never has like they 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 went everywhere and they met with the players and all the coaches and that's cool she came out of that day and uh her football loyalties have been divided ever since because she she is a kirk and mary ferentz fan after that day she had so much fun and i think i think mary last year was, was planning on that being her last year yeah. I don't know if she's ever I don't know if she's gonna do another year, but I hope somebody will keep that going because uh anybody who does it just absolutely loves it and it ra- it has raised so much money. And they don't keep any of the money, they give it all to the children's hospital. It's gotten nothing but rave reviews. And I, I'm yeah. one to uh, I want to turn the tide a little bit. Why can't the guys have a fantasy camp and go to the stadium and, and play catch with the players and, and go to the locker room. And I, I want to go too. like, I want to be, have our own ladies football Academy, but for like us overweight out of shape, middle-aged guys that are huge Hawkeye fans, like that would raise a ton of money. Think of how many guys would go to that. It'd be like by the truckload, it'd be too many. You'd have to have different sessions. I think it could go sideways in a hurry, though, because the guys, all the players, some of them came back early from break because, for one thing, uh, like, like Jenny said, all the players said this was their favorite day involving football of the year okay. because coaches are all in a good mood and everybody's happy and they're they're just, you know, really fun out there and they're being so nice. And, and a lot of these you know, some of these players, their moms out there, or some of the ladies are in their 60s, 70s, uh, aunts, sisters. So they're they're like really nice. Now, it could go the other way. You get a bunch of dudes out there that are starting. You, <laughs> you know what? I showed up. I'm going to I'm gonna show the Hawks here. You know, oh. I could have I could have been a Big Ten football player, too. And they get a little bit of competitive juices going. And the, the next thing you know, the ambulances uh. are showing up and people are leaving on stretchers. Oh. It, it could go bad in a hurry. 
A lot of torn ACLs. I never even thought of that, Keith. That's why you're smarter than me. Oh, that's yeah. They end up that's calling it last chance pew. It, it, could, <laughs> it, could, it could be bad. Oh, that's why they pay you the big bucks, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, next time, you know, sound off and, or anything, your radio show is doing anything Nebraska themed, we would be absolutely honored if you'd be able to let us become a part of it and come on and just say hi and give our fan perspective from Hawkeyes living in Nebraska. We'd love to contribute. You've contributed so much for us over a 20 year span. We would love to do that if you'd have us anytime. Oh yeah, I'll think of something. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll work that in. Football season will be here before we know it. Fans yeah. back in the stands, it's going to be great. We're pretty creative dudes. So, all right, we'll <laughs> let you get back to it. Thanks again for taking time. Okay, Keith. All right, thank you for having me on. All right, we'll see you. Have a great rest of the week. You too.